Hey, welcome this week of our Lord's Passion. Beginning today with what is called Palm Sunday, where we remember, we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And of course, we'll be culminating next Sunday with Easter, the remembrance, the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, conquering sin and death, not for himself, right? No, conquering sin and death for you and for me so that we can be restored into a right relationship with God. So that we can literally stand in righteousness. And of course, this week that we call our Lord's Passion is not just marked by these Sunday events. Boy, a lot went on during the week, didn't it? How about Friday, the crucifixion? And the night before... Thursday night, Jesus gathered with his disciples in the upper room and he gave something to them. Gave something to you and me. He gave us the Lord's Supper. A a, a way to remember. A way to celebrate. A, a, A way to acknowledge and proclaim what his death accomplished for us. You know, folks, as we come to this moment today, it is a real moment of intimacy. I don't know if you've thought about the Lord's Supper and intimacy, but, but think about when we're coming together, we're thinking about his broken body, we're thinking about his spilled blood. What did that accomplish? It accomplished more than putting you and I into a good business relationship with God. It accomplished more. It accomplished this, and we refer to this, but it did more than put us in a right legal standing with God. Folks, the body and blood of Jesus Christ brought you and I into a love relationship with God. A love that would be so great that he would literally adopt you as his own child. Making you a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And in that new relationship that we have with God, it brings all of us into relationship with each other. We are, you know, you hear this in church lingo, brother this and sister. No, we're actually brothers and sisters. We are family brought into a relationship by the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. This is a very intimate moment. And and maybe that's why with this intimacy comes some of the strongest, some of the hardest language In the New Testament. God has some very serious things to say about when you and I gather for this moment. Listen to what he says. You may want to turn in your Bible with me. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians, strategically placed right before 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 17. And I want you to understand something as I read. Paul is not writing the church in Corinth and addressing a hypothetical situation. He's not saying, hey, listen, if y'all don't watch out, these kinds of things could happen. Or let's be careful, this never happens. He's writing about very real issues, very real problems that are going on. And would you believe they're related to how we take the Lord's Supper? I mean, how do you mess this up? This is just not, this is just not that hard. But listen to what the problem is is as they come together to take the Lord's Supper. I'm going to begin reading in verse 17. It says, Now when I mention this next issue, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. Folks, I can't imagine a statement that greater expresses the failure of a church than that. 
Did you understand what I just said? We're worse off because we've gathered. Can you imagine the heights coming together here this morning at 945 and when we leave, it, had been, it would have been better had we not met. Things are worse because we met. What a failure. First of all, verse 18, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. When you come together, you're, you're all divided up by, by your preferences, by your likes, by your dislikes. And there's, there's this problem and there's that problem. And we've grouped up around the problems. See, this is about relationship, not division. Verse 20. It's not the Lord's Supper you are concerned about when you come together. For I am told that some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. You see what's happening here, folks, is they, as they walk into the room, as they come to take the Lord's Supper, the only thought on them is me. Hey, wh- what do I need to happen today? What's, what's in this for me? What, it might even be spiritual, but it's about me. There's no focus on what? Each other. There's no focus on the relationship. Verse 23. For this is what the Lord himself said, and I pass it on to you just as I received it. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and you. Sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing... You're living, you're celebrating the Lord's death until he comes again. Now, folks, listen to the rest of these verses. This begins in verse 27. So if anyone eats this bread or drinks the cup, this cup of the Lord unworthily, that person is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself. Some translations actually say that is why you should judge yourself before eating the bread and drinking from the cup for if you eat the bread or drink the cup unworthily not honoring the body of Christ you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself now listen to this line this was this is a hard one to unpack and that's why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died Because of what happened in the Lord's Supper. Verse 31. But if we examine ourselves, if we judge ourselves, we will not be examined by God and judged in this way. Would you allow me to make five quick observations from the the passage I just read? Number one, this is not about a meal. What we're going to be doing here in a few moments is not about getting the vitamins and nutrients we need for the day, the, the sustenance we need for the day. The goal is not to I'm just going home and taking a nap. I'm not going to eat, to eat lunch. I'm full. No, no, we're not gathering to have a meal per se. This is about relationships. Number two, this is about his death. You say, no, wait wait a minute, which is it? Is it about his death or is it about relationships? It's about his death. But what is the fruit of his death? What is the product of his death? It's that I am now in a new relationship with God. And because of that, I'm in a relationship with you. It's about his death. It's about these relationships. 
Now we know we come to this moment and we're, we're celebrating, we remember what His body and blood accomplished for us. But what this passage just said is that you and I cannot rightly do that if we carry into this moment something in our heart that is not love for God and any sin is an act that is not love toward God. I cannot come to this moment carrying anything in my heart that is not love for others. And when I come into this and I'm carrying that sin, I'm committed to that sin, I literally mock Christ. I mock His death on the cross. The passage says, I mock His body and what He did for me. Number four, under the assumption that we don't want to do that. Under the assumption that I don't want to mock Jesus Christ, the passage says, Randy, judge yourself. Not, no, don't judge each other. Judge, look intently into your life And see what is going on in your relationship with the Lord. Look intently into your life and see what is going on in your relationship with others. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I see things wrong in my relationship with others, I'm usually pretty focused on what they're doing wrong, aren't you? But folks, this isn't a moment in which I'm very in tune with what they are doing wrong. As a follower of Christ, there is a way I can respond. There is a way I can live in the wrongness that that other person is doing. We're not judging the other person's responsibility in the relationship. We're judging ourselves. And we're getting that right. The last observation, folks, I find to be one of the most serious verses in the New Testament. Seize this moment to judge yourself. Do not waste this moment. God's brought you here today. Oh, I go to church every Sunday. God has brought you here today at 945. And this is a moment for you and I to take very serious, to take very real. Because if we don't, it seems to suggest, did it not? That some really bad things happen. So here's what we're going to do. First things first. You know, in our normal mode of, of worship, in our normal mode of, of a service, we, we kind of get right with God at the end, right? We, we use the music to kind of prepare our heart and our mind. We, we listen to a, a message, and that message kind of directs us and points us around a certain issue, around a, a certain topic. And, and then it all kind of comes together, and we know, wow, I need, to, I need to make a commitment to this. I need to repent of that. And, and, and we kind of think of getting right with God at the end. But did this passage not suggest, no, we need to get right with God up front. Before we move into this moment, we need to be right with God. You know, that's not an entirely new thought, A thousand years earlier, David said in Psalm 24, As I ascend the hill to the Lord, I want to go with already clean hands, my actions, a pure heart, my thoughts, my motives, what's going on inside. Matthew 5.23, Jesus says, as you come to the altar to bring a gift, as you come into the house to worship the Lord, and and as you're entering, as you're going, you say, oh boy, I know, man, things are not right at home. Boy, things are not right with that person at work. Boy, things are not right with my neighbor. Things are not right with that. He says, hey, listen, when you realize that something's not right between you and somebody else, leave. Well, no, I don't. 
We don't actually leave, right? Because, I mean, worship, bring glory to God, that's the most important thing. Oh, absolutely it is. Here's the problem. I may be sitting in a building, and I may be around a lot of religious busyness, but it's not worship, because 1 John 4.20 has already told me, I cannot sing, I cannot say, I love you, God, when there's something wrong with me and another. It literally says you can't profess how you love what you do not see when you hate what you do see. So here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to get right with God at the beginning of the service. We're going to do what we need to do so that we can wholly, rightly, fully worship. So that we can wholly, rightly come and celebrate this Lord's table. Folks, there's folks in here right now. In this moment, you know that you're not born again. You don't, you don't need a song to sing about that. You, you don't need a pastor and a sermon to tell you that. You know right now as you sit here that you're not a child of God. You're not born again. If you were to die right now, you have no confidence that you would stand before God in righteousness. You have no confidence that you would stand before God ready to step into eternity in heaven. You know that right now. Then that means now is the time to resolve that. You know, in a moment, we're going we're gonna to stand and sing. And I'm not sure who all the we is, because I think all of us are going to be busy. But as we do that, there'll be pastors down here at the front. Come forward man, I need to be born again. I need to, I need to get right with God. Maybe you're here today and, and you're not connected to, you're not a part of a church family. Man, when we come and look at the Lord's Supper, it's all about relationship. Man, in the American church, it's, it's just become such a model to come sit in a building with a group of strangers. Feeling what? Just like here. No responsibility toward toward one another. And yet what the New Testament says is as a follower of Christ, we belong to one another. It's formal. It's official. We're engaged with each other. And it's not just being a member. Man, it's moving from ministry into smaller groups where you're growing in relationship, where you're serving together in ministry. I don't know how all of that can be resolved right here this morning. But I tell you what, if you're not a part of the body of Christ. If you're not a member of His church, you can come forward and tell him, Pastor, I want to be a member here. I want to take care of that right now. Maybe you're here today and you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. Did you notice what I just said there? Followed the Lord? Folks, when it comes to baptism, I see a lot of people following denominational teaching. I see a lot of people following parents and family and traditions, but nowhere in the New Testament does it tell us to follow any of those things. It says, follow the Lord. And this was of such a significant issue that while Jesus certainly did not need to get baptized for the reason that you and I do, He got baptized to give us a model, an example to follow, to do what He did. If you're here today and you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism, come forward and tell one of His pastors, I want to make the commitment right now. I know I can't do it this second, but I can make the commitment to do it. Put me down for that. Now, a lot of us in this room have done all these things. We're, the, we're a member of the church. We're, we're a born-again child of God. We've, we've followed the Lord in believer's baptism. What's this time for for me? Confession. Confession about anything in your life that does not express love for God. Anything in your life that is not loving, encouraging, and building in the relationships that God has around your life. And folks, when we say confession, it's not just saying, wow, Lord, I'm really sorry I did that. I, I know you don't want me to think like that, act like that. I know you don't want me to, I'm sorry. I, I, man, I'm sure going to try hard not to do that again. No, no, folks, in the New Testament, confession is a cousin to Repentance. 
It's not just saying we're sorry, but it's a commitment to not be that, to not do that again, and taking serious steps so that it does not happen again. Repentance may be going to somebody in this room right now and saying, hey, I'm sorry. But what do you need to do in this moment? As I said, we're going to stand and we're going to be singing, but maybe you just need to kneel right back at your chair where you are. Maybe you need to move forward and and kneel here at this altar, coming before God and confessing and, and making commitment about how you're going to deal with that sin in your life. Let me encourage this. Don't do nothing in the presence of God. There is something about American religiosity that has enabled us to be in the presence of the busyness of God and feel satisfied that that's all there is. Do you know why all the busyness will be moving and going on around you? God's looking right at you. He sees you. Don't do nothing in the presence of God. Folks, this is a time of movement. Moving forward to talk to one of these pastors, to moving forward to maybe confess sin and to ask one of these pastors to pray for you or just kneel here at the altar or kneel there. It is a time of moving. Will God see you moving physically, moving in your heart? Will he see you moving? Now, folks, this is kind of a heavy, ominous thing I'm talking about. Can I tell you something? There's no safer place to move than for the person who's under the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Because when you move, boy, let's stop and think about moving to somebody else, huh? Sometimes we go tell somebody else, hey, I'm sorry I said this, I'm sorry I did that, but sometimes we say that to people that are just plain mean, don't we? They're mean, they're nasty, they're ugly people. And it's very scary being vulnerable, being humble. Folks, that's not what we're dealing with right now with the Lord. When you move into his presence to deal with the business, to confess and to repent, you know what he says? Yes. Yes, I love you. Yes, I forgive you. Now let's pick this up and let's move forward. Let's stand and let me pray. Heavenly Father. I pray now your Holy Spirit would move through this room and you would speak to each heart, each mind, each life in here. Lord, would you tell each of us individually, what does the movement look like? What is the movement I need to make in this moment? God, we acknowledge that we are in the presence of Almighty God, a loving God who has just said, you know, if you'll judge yourself and do what's right next, I won't judge you. God, guide us in what that looks like right here and right now. In Jesus' name, amen.